Jonah chapter 2, that's where we're going to be, Jonah chapter 2. Last week, stay with me, here we go. Last week, we started this series called Relentless, and this is our effort. Our effort is for you to, through this series, through us looking at this book called Jonah, is for us to get an understanding of God's relentless heart for us and God's relentless heart for other people. Is that through this time in, in Jonah, we, would get an, we begin to understand God's relentless heart for us and God's relentless heart for other people. So that's what I hope as we move through this series. And last week, we looked at Jonah chapter 1, and it's this crazy chapter. I mean, like, Jonah's just a weird book to begin with. Like, I don't know if you knew this, but Jonah is considered a prophet, but it's one of, it, it, I think it's the only prophetic book that is uh, a, actually about the prophet and not just the prophet speaking. It's like a narrative. It's weird. So it's a weird book altogether. But chapter one is this. Jonah uh, gets a word from God, which is incredible. Gets a word from God and he says, hey, Jonah, I need you, you Hebrew man. I need you to go to these Assyrian people, you know, the people that are just slaughtering all your people. Yeah, you should go to them and you need to tell them about the mercy of God. And Jonah's like, cool, God, I'm not going to do that. And he goes the other way. He goes the opposite way of Nineveh to uh, Tarshish. He's fleeing. And so he gets on this boat uh, to get away. And not only does he get in the boat, but he goes to the bottom parts of the boat. And God, being God, because he can do what he wants, he hurls a storm onto the sea. All of the sailors are freaking out. Jonah's in the bottom of the boat sleeping. That's natural. And uh, the sailors, uh, actually, the captain comes to Jonah. He's like, hey, dude, what are you doing? Can you help us? Like, we're about to go down here. And Jonah's like, oh, whatever, dude. I'm just tired. Just let me do this. And he's like, no, you should cry out to your God. Maybe he'll hear us and help because we are hosed here, literally. And they're like, I don't know what's going on. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. They cast lots, which is essentially just like, let's just throw some things in the air and hope that God tells us what's going on here. They understand that this is Jonah's fault because Jonah's fleeing from God. And they're like, what? So they go to Jonah and they say, what are you doing? You're crazy. And Jonah's like, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I ran from God. And he's like, just throw me in the water. And they're like, we're not going to do that. We don't want to kill, like, if we kill you, then your blood is on our hands, and I don't want to do that. He's like, whatever, man. But then they decide, you know what? This is really bad. Let's throw him in the water. And they chunk him in the water, and chapter one essentially ends, and that's where we are left today. You're like, huh, Jonah's in the water. That's less than awesome for him. And so before we jump, what that means is, for two, I want to say this, is when I was in college, I worked as an intern at a church. And what that means is, is I had a summer job at a church working for a student pastor. And in that student ministry, there was this kid. And you, you know this kid. You may be this kid. And if you are, I love you. And if you, have a, you probably have a friend who is this kid, and you should love them. But it was this kind of kid. They, um, they constantly thought that they were the smartest person in the room at all times, at all times. Whether they were or were not, they constantly thought that they were the smartest person in the room. Like it was to this point where, where he would use, he would use words that like you could, that people were like, wow, that's a really big word. You're like, that's impressive. But what was, what was funny about it is he, we, we figured him out. He would use all these big words and we were impressed for a little while, but eventually somebody, somebody smart, smarter than me goes, hey, tell me what that word means. And he's like, uh, uh, I don't, I, I don't know. Huh, you're a fake. So he would use these great big words, and he knew like, oh, it fits in the sentence, I know that, blah, 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 it was impressive, and it showed us to be like the smartest guy in the room, whatever. But what it also showed us is, he knew this word, but he had no clue what it meant. 
And so there's a couple of dangers with that. One, you can use it in a really incorrect way. That's dangerous. Or you can use it not knowing what you're actually saying or what it actually means. Here's why I tell you that. Because we're going to discover a principle tonight as we look at Jonah chapter 2. The word is not in Jonah chapter 2, but we're going to get this idea from Jonah chapter 2, this idea of repentance. And my fear is, is that for some of us, you've been in church so long, you hear that word all the time. And you're like, yeah, yeah, repent, repent, yeah, yeah, it's in the Bible. But we're not quite sure what it actually means. Like, we just know it's a Bible word, but we're not really sure what it means. Or maybe you do. Maybe you do have, like, a, a definition. You're like, I, dude, I, I Googled it. I have a definition of it. But you have no clue what it actually looks like. Like, how, how, it, how that fleshes out, what that means for your life. And so what I hope today, as we look at Jonah chapter 2, is that you would get not only understanding of what repentance is, but what, also what it looks like. So we're going to jump in, Jonah chapter 2. I'm actually going to start in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. So remember, Jonah just got chunked in the water. Verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep and the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple." The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you and to your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. So we get this picture. Hopefully, we we will begin to to clarify this picture of repentance. But before we jump into that, I want to do this. Let's, Let's eliminate what repentance is not. Let's try to take out some of the definitions or some of the understandings that you might have, but really it's either incomplete or incorrect. So this is, I'll give you a handful of them here. Repentance is not simply saying sorry. Repentance is not simply saying sorry to God. You're like, oh, God, sorry. Because you say sorry all the time, right? Like, mom gets on you, you're like, sorry, mom. But really, like, you have no sorrow. You're just like, I just am sorry that I got caught. This is unfortunate. It's it's more than simply saying sorry. Repentance is not just feeling bad or guilty because you got caught. It's not just a feeling of like, oh, dang it. It's one of those things, it's like, if I wouldn't have got caught, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal because I got caught. I know it's wrong. But what? That doesn't make sense. It was wrong whether you got caught or whether you didn't. That's how that works. It's more than that. Repentance is not simply acting or behaving better. Repentance is not just changing your behavior. People who don't follow God can change their behavior. It's that you, you can will yourself to do that. Repentance is not just changing your behavior. Repentance is not... Promising God, you'll never do that again. 
That's not repentance. It's not swearing to God, 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 I swear, if, if, you just, if, you just, if you just let me do this, I'll never sin again. You're like, what? And then you send them the next day, and you're like, what happened? That's an incomplete definition, an incomplete understanding of what repentance is. It's not just promising you'll never do it again. And then the last one is this. Repentance is not just a one-time thing for when you become a Christian. Repentance is not just a one-time thing for when you become a Christian. You see, that's our general understanding of it. Oh, people who become Christians, they repent of their sin and then they become a follower of Jesus. Yes, that's correct. That's right. If, if you had that understanding, you had a correct understanding, but it's incomplete. So not only do you repent of sin and then become a saved person, but as a saved person, as a follower of Jesus, we daily repent of our sin. Romans 8 verse 12 says it like this. So then brothers, so then brothers, that means followers of Jesus. So then brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live that as followers of Jesus, we are daily putting to death our old self. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is like this. If anyone's in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And you daily, you know this. You know that you daily have to fight this battle. You don't wake up going like, wow, I became a Christian and everything got easier. No. In fact, you may have noticed the opposite. I became a Christian and now, I, sh- I am aware of this struggle with sin. I'm very aware of it. And I hate it. And you have to repent daily and die to yourself daily. So now we have that out of the way, what repentance is not. Let's figure out, let's, let's give a definition for what repentance is. We're going to carry this definition all the way throughout tonight. This is, what, this is what I say repentance is. Repentance is. A God-initiated turning away from our sin in response to the mercy and grace of God displayed toward us. I'll say it one more time. Repentance is a God-initiated turning away from our sin in response to the mercy and grace of God displayed toward us. So you might read books where they give a lot more smart definition than that, but I hope that we can just hopefully grow. So let's learn about this repentance. The first thing that we learn about repentance, that we learn from Jonah, is number one, God initiates. God initiates. Look at verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried. And you heard my voice. So what's happening is Jonah is recalling. Like he's in the belly of the fish now. And he is recalling in his brain how it was going. Like he got thrown in the sea and he started sinking. And he was like, this is not going well. He's recapping how he felt. He's recapping what was going on in his mind. And verse 3 tells us how God initiates. For you, that's you God, you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. This is what Jonah says. He doesn't say, God, don't you remember? Those foolish sailors threw me into the sea. He goes, God, you threw me into the sea. You're like, how does that work? I thought the sailors threw him in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sailors, like... They were the instruments by which Jonah threw into the sea. But here's what we learn. God's in charge of everything. 
God is the one in charge of everything. And God initiates Jonah's turning from his rebellion by disciplining Jonah. He's like, Jonah, you're not going to listen to me. You're going to keep running. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to convince these sailors to chunk you into this stormy sea. And it's discipline. And you're like, that's uncomfortable. I don't like that. But we'll see how this progresses as it keeps going. What we'll see is God convicts Jonah through discipline, and it's a great mercy of God. God chunking Jonah into the water is not God's wrath toward Jonah. It's God's mercy toward Jonah. He says, dude, you're not going to listen. And this is what it's going to take to get your attention. You're going to keep running, and you're going to keep being a punk, and you're going to keep hardening your heart against me. And so you know what it's going to take? It's going to take me doing something drastic to get your attention, to focus your eyes for just one moment to see that I'm really the one in charge here. And he hurls them into the water. God initiates. The next thing is this. When God initiates, we see our need. When God initiates, we see our need. Look at verse 4. It says, after God throws him into the water, Jonah begins to think to himself, verse 4. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your temple. The waters closed in over me to, make my, to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Jonah, after God initiates and starts to get his attention, Jonah begins to see his need. He, I mean, he paints this picture. God, I'm driven away from your sight. Yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. That's a literal picture. He is drowning. He's going to the bottom of the, the sea here. The waters closed in over my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. So seaweed is beginning to wrap around his head, around his neck. He's beginning to drown. He is saying, I am, I'm beginning to see that I'm helpless here, God. And he keeps going. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land. So he paints this like this metaphorical picture. God, I was so deep into my own junk. It felt like I was, I was at the bottom of the bottom of the mountains. Like not, not the bottom where like we could walk up to the bottom, but the bottom that like goes into the water and then keeps going. That kind of bottom. That's what he's describing here. He's using this picture, not literal, but this picture that God, I am so cast away from you. I am very, very aware of my need and my helplessness now. And this is what happens. You see, when we're in sin and God initiates and God convicts us by his Holy Spirit and gets our attention, however drastic that might be, we begin to see how helpless we are and how stuck we are and how desperate we are. When God opens our eyes, we don't go, huh, I should just do better. No, when God opens our eyes, we say, how on earth am I going to get out of this? And here's the deal. Some of you are in that spot. Some of you are in spots where God is getting your attention. 
In fact, he might, he might have done or is doing something crazy drastic in order to open your eyes because you're so hard-hearted because you're just, all you want to do is run from God. All you want to do is say, I don't want this, God. I don't want to do what you're calling me to do. I don't want to live how you're calling me to live. And you're running. And God blew up the relationship or God, or God took this thing away from you. And all of it is a means for God to say, would you wake up? Would you, see, would you see that I'm the one in charge? Would you see that I'm better than this? And as you begin to really start to see more clearly, you start to see how desperate you really are. Oh, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to get out of this? So not only God initiates, we see our need. The third thing is this, and God rescues God rescues. Look at the second half of verse 6. So Jonah's going down, down, down. He's in desperate need, and he says this in the second half of 6. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Jonah says this. In my most desperate of need, you came to my rescue. Notice what he does not say. God, in my most desperate of need, I decided to get strong and swim faster and fix it. No, no, no. He said, God, I was desperate. I was going to die. It was going to destroy my life. Yet you brought me up. You rescued me, God. You came and got me. You did this. I didn't. It was all you. This is yet another display of God's relentless mercy towards Jonah. I mean, how crazy has it been so far? I mean, we've seen God relentlessly pursue this dude. Jonah goes the other way, and he gets on a boat, and God's like, cool, man, you're going to run from me? I'm going to hurl a storm on the sea. Relentless. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. Just throw me in the water. Okay, fine. You you don't think I'm going to come after you there? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send a fish to swallow you up. And if you're in here thinking... It's not literal, Cade, like this didn't actually happen. It's not biologically, whatever, whatever. Here's how I know this is real. Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 quotes this. Some dudes come up to him and he's like, hey. They're like, hey, give us a sign. He's like, a rebellious generation seeks for a sign. Here's the only sign I'm going to give you. I'll give you the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale, other belly of the fish, three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the ground three days, and he will rise. So why do I think that this actually happened? Why do I think that Jonah really did get swallowed up by a giant fish? Why in the world would Jesus cite it? Why would he quote it? So this is real. This is how God rescues Jonah, through sending a fish to swallow him up. Yet another display of God's mercy. So God initiates, we see our need God rescues, and the last thing is this, God transforms. Look at verse 8. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you 
what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. You see Jonah's attitude and verb and verbiage change completely. Not only does his, his thoughts and his mind change, but his actions change. Not that long ago, he was saying, God, I'm not going to those foolish people. I'm not telling them about you because if, if I go there, I know they're going to repent. I hate those people. I don't want them to know you. But look what he says. Verse 9, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you, God. What I have vowed, I will pay. He says, God, I'm going to do what I told you I'd do. I'm a prophet of God. I'm going to go where you want me to go. And this is, what, this, is, this is crazy to me. Earlier, it was, God, I don't want you to save them. But then he says now in chapter 2, salvation belongs to the Lord. It's yours to deal with, God. It's yours to deal with. You do what you want. Not only does his mind change, his actions change. So here's the question for us. What the heck does this have to do with us? How does this apply to us? Here's how it applies. The same way it applies to Jonah. God initiates on us and we see our need and God rescues and God transforms. Here's how it works. God initiates on you via this thing called conviction. This thing called conviction. And conviction is not just like, oh, I feel pretty bad about that. Like I shouldn't have had that third donut. Like not that kind of like you feel guilty, you feel guilty about it. No, this is what conviction is. Check this out. Check this out. Psalm, Psalm chapter 32, three and four. It's gonna be on the screen. This is what conviction is. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up by the heat of summer. This is conviction. Conviction is this unbelievable God-sent weight that what we are in is not what God wants. It's not guilt. Guilt is from the enemy. Conviction is from God. So God initiates on us by this thing called conviction. And then God, dis, God, God sometimes convicts you via discipline. Now here's how that works. If you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus, here's how that works. For some of you, you got caught by mom or dad. The stuff that you were looking at on the internet, the things you were doing with him or her, you got caught. And all you're thinking is, God, how did you let this happen? But really what that is, is a great grace of God. Is that he exposed you so that you could walk in restoration. And so if you're in here and you got caught, if you're in here and you got exposed, if you're in here and God just put all of your business in front of mom or dad to see, or from, from a loving friend to see, don't shake your fist at God. Lift your hands in praise to God because he was gracious to you to say, this isn't what I desire. The Bible says that God disciplines us as sons, that he disciplines those whom he loves. If you're getting disciplined by God, it's because God loves you. It's a good thing. So God initiates on us by conviction. And then we see our need. We see our need like Jonah sees his need. This is a natural response to God's initiation. For the, for the, for if you're in here and you're not a believer, you begin to see this need of, I do have this thing that the Bible calls sin and I don't know how to fix it. And I, I don't think I can. And you see that need. And if you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus, 
but you're running from God. God convicts you and you see your need and, and he exposes you and that you're fleeing from him or you're stuck in some kind of sin. And you say, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to want this anymore. I don't want to see this anymore. I don't want to go there anymore. Would you help? Please help. But I can't do this. I cannot make myself get away. Help me. And when God initiates and we see our need, God rescues. How does he rescue, Kate? Well, he rescued Jonah by sending a fish and swallowed him up. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And so for you, it's not God sending a fish for you to sit in for three days and three nights. Instead, God did something far better than that. You see, instead of sending a fish, God sent his son. And his son came and lived perfectly where you and I were supposed to. And he died where you and I were supposed to. And instead of going into a fish, Jesus went into a grave. And on the third day, got up from the grave and beat sin and beat death and beat hell so that you would have the way to God, so that you would have the way to find rescue. You see, Jonah didn't get rescued because he was good enough. Jonah got rescued because God was good. So how do we get rescued? Kid, how do we get out of this? We look to God and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we receive rescue based on Jesus in our place. That's it. You didn't earn it. It was grace to you. You're like, hey, what if I'm already a Christian? How does God rescue me out of this? 1 Corinthians 15, one through two says this. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. This is what Paul says. Hey, you're already a believer. That's great. Here's what I want to remind you of. That gospel that saved you is, is continually saving you. If you want to know how to get out of the stuck place that you're in, you would look to Jesus and you would see that his grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in your weakness and the death that he died is sufficient to rescue you from what you're in. Look to Jesus. Remind yourself of the gospel. Don't try to fix it yourself. You'll fail. Look to Jesus. And you know what Jesus does for those of us in here? If you're stuck in here, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're just legitimately stuck, if it's you're in pornography or, or you are in a sexual, sexually charged relationship with somebody you have no business being with or you're, you struggle with same-sex attraction or wherever, I, it doesn't matter. And you're stuck and you're like, I don't know how to get out of this. Here's what you need to do. You need to take a step of faith and you need to confess that to another human. Another follower of Jesus, you need to take that to them and say, look, I'm struggling with this and I don't know how to get out. I need help. Please help. You know what that does? That shows faith on your part. That shows that you want out of this. It shows that you'll do whatever it takes for God to rescue you. So go get accountability. Go have the faith to tell somebody and know that you're not going to receive judgment, you're going to receive grace. So God initiates, we see our need, God rescues, and the final thing is this, God transforms. This is the repentance. 
that God rescues us. And our natural response is to say, I've never received love like that. I've never received grace like that. And so I don't want to pursue these things anymore. I want to go the other way. I want to be transformed. And God transforms our minds and transforms our actions. And the way that we live is different. You see, repentance is evidenced by different living. It's it's evidenced by different living. The gospel transforms your life. Transforms your life. So the band's going to come back up here and they're going to play a song. But here's the deal. If you don't stand up and sing because you've got to deal with God, that's, I'm, I'm more for that than you standing and singing just for the sake of singing. So here's the deal. Bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. I don't know your struggle. You do. I don't. And can I, can I just tell you something? God knows your struggle. God is well aware of the stuff you look at, the things you do with him or her, the thoughts you have about. God is aware. You're not hiding it from him. Don't, don't, don't act like you're Jonah and you can run because you're seeing through Jonah. Wherever he goes, God is there. So if you're in here and you're not a believer, you're in here and you're like, I don't, this Christianity thing is whack. But you are feeling this conviction, this thing, it's like that God is pressing on you. It's like a burning in your bones. And you're like, I, I don't know if I have all the answers, but I've got a lot of questions. And I'm hearing what you're saying, Kate. Instead of just sitting in your seat and trying to ignore it, why don't you step out in faith and, and, and say, and take it to somebody. Take it to somebody, one of these adults in the back, because they're, they're, they're not going to make fun of you or question you or be shocked. They're just going to listen and say, I don't know what it means to follow Jesus, but could you help? And maybe you're in here and, and you are a follower of Jesus, but you are just legitimately stuck in sin. Or you, you know that you are purposefully running from Jesus. You know you are doing the opposite of what God wants. But all you're trying to do is hide it. God knows. But instead of sending judgment, God is extending grace to you. You see, the Bible says this. If we confess our sins, God, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you go and you go to one of these adults and you say, look, I am stuck and I need help. And here's what it is. I'm stuck in fill in the blank. They're not going to, their, their jaw's not going to drop to the floor and go, I can't believe that. They're going to look at you and say, God is faithful and just to forgive you of all of that and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So go and repent and find grace. Let me pray for us. So God, thank you that you are a God of mercy, but you are relentless. You are after us. we can come and we can repent. We can turn from our sin. And what we don't find is judgment. What we find is you and you are gracious. You are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We find you, God. And you are good in ourselves. We love you. We trust you. It's in your name we pray.